0: We did a press conference in here, and it wasn't like you'd see before, like the members get up. And we invited parents and kids, and we invited parents that had the challenges, right? One was you'll remember him, the father from Loudon County that his daughter. Uh, oh yeah. He comes and tells his story. But then you have a young mother from Rhode Island. Her her child went to um, kindergarten, and all she wanted to know what's on the curriculum. They said, well, you got to ask us. You got to put it in written form. She goes, well, okay, well then I had 100 questions. Then they had a meeting to sue her to ask for she was asking questions. It was unbelievable. And you think at times these stories that they just happen in one little place, you know, you hear about that male swimmer against the women. Well, no, when you start having the discussion, it's happening everywhere. And so we like to bring more people in. And the other thing we're doing, taking our hearings out of Washington. We've had them along the border. Uh, we've had him in different parts of the country make the committees go out to listen to the public. You can make some noise for that. That's uh, yeah, yeah, there you go.
1: I also like the way we started that. I didn't even have to ask a question. You could just talk. And I'll, I'll, I'll just sit here with
0: my legs crossed for an hour and we'll, we'll make it work. We've been interviewed before. Yeah. He, he he's like most people in California. He used to live there. Now he yeah. moved to Florida. <laughs> But uh, we, I'd go down to his house and we'd do a show.
1: Well, let's start, actually, since you, since you talked about the parental rights uh, vote, which did pass, but not one Democrat voted for it. Five Republicans voted against it. Um, transparency, that's all it was about. And yes. I find when I, when I talk to these guys, I listen to my audience, that's what most people want right now out of government, whether it's the schools or whether it's here in D.C., just show us what's going on, be honest with us, don't treat us like children. Are you shocked that not one Democrat could vote for it? And, uh, because I can't go you know, more than a minute without talking about AOC, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that in her speech where she was railing against it, she called it fascism. <laughs> she called it
0: fascism. I take it nothing probably surprises you at this point. No, you know what's interesting, and this is what people have to understand, and I've, I've come to understand now with these Democrats, they're very extreme in their beliefs. I mean, think about, we, in Congress, when you put a bill across the desk, HR is the House resolution number, right? And it gets stamped by the order in which you go, but the majority reserves one through 10, and the Democrats get 11 through 20, okay? So you can pick what's most important. Now, our m- number one bill is gonna be HR one, which we'll vote on this week, and that'll be for energy independence, okay? The Democrats were in the majority. Their number one bill was election law reform that they wanted to rig the system. Make taxpayers pay for it and have a czar and all that. We made the Parents' Bill of Rights HR 5 for a couple different reasons. One, that's when kindergarten starts you're five years old. But it really had five pillars. Parents should know what's being taught in the school, give us the curriculum, don't make us go have to find it, send it to us, and what books are there to read. They say we're banning books. We never said anything about it. Just tell us what you want us to read, right? Shouldn't we know? The next thing we thought, you should, we should know, how do you spend the money? It's taxpayer money, what's it being spent on in schools? Is it going just to administration? Is it going, where's it going? We want to protect our children's privacy. Are they selling the data, right? We want to know, is there a violent activity? Because what will happen is, a child may be hurt on campus, but you're only telling those two children. That father, what happened to him, he went and told, but, The person who that molested his daughter had already done it before. And the last part is a parent has a right to be heard. You should be able to go to a school board meeting and not say you're a terrorist. I'm a big conservative, federalist and all that. That's not getting a school board. That's just respect Mm -hmm. in the process. And that's just transparency. I'm very big on transparency. Um, The um, Democrats try to attack me all the time when I provide information when they try to only show certain parts. Well let the public make that decision. That's the difference I think when we had this this discussion before. Uh, I was born into a democratic family but never a democrat. So I I really think my philosophy and beliefs are stronger than others because I chose to reject what I heard for something different. And What I believe in a philosophy, I trust you. I'm going to give you the information but I also trust you to fail or succeed. I'm not gonna predetermine that.
1: So I don't wanna do just policy here, because I'm guessing, how how many of you is this the first time either in, or in the Capitol itself? I assume many of you, right? So So fabulous. Yeah, so how weird is it on just a day-to-day basis that you're in this building right now, where pretty much everyone's here right now for the most part, right? And you're in this building with these people that the ideas are just so diametrically opposed with each other and, you know, they say some pretty nasty things about you and you gotta say some things about
0: them and sometimes they're on your side of the aisle doing that. Yeah, no, no, look, if you follow the speaker's race, most people win on the first round, okay? (laughs) It's kinda tough. He had a rough week, he had a rough week. But you know what? I'm Irish and Italian, so it's okay. I have the best fights in my neighborhood, right? And most fights go 15 rounds, so that's okay. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. So, so if you watch the speaker's race, there was this one staffer who sat next to me, a John Legansky, and everybody wants to know, he's a really smart kid. He went to Stanford, he interned for, he was the youngest guy I ever on the floor. And his brother's about to become an ordained priest. And his brother sent him a book of prayers, you know, before it all. And he went and we would keep a tally sheet of everybody's name that he keep voting. And before the speaker votes, right, he, he just put a, a handful down there. And when the speaker race was over, he said, you know what? We always knew it was going to go to 15. I said, well, how did we always know? He goes, you know, I didn't get a chance to finish all the prayers in the book, and this weekend I did. You know how many prayers were in that book? 15 prayers. He goes, you know how many ballots just take, I just grabbed a handful and put down there? 15. So sometimes God has a plan for you. You just don't know it yet, right? I could have been speaker before. We are in the majority. It was going to be handed to me, but I made a mistake on an on a, on a, um, interview, and lo and behold, pulled back. We went back into the minority, and an interesting thing happened. So, four years ago, I became leader of the Republican Party, and Pelosi became speaker. We have a five-seat majority. In those four years, we picked up six more seats. Six Democrats lost their congressional seats. In California no one writes about this she lost her majority in her home state that people think is really blue right but we we were able to win Um, if anyone ever wants to run for office this is what I would tell you and how long should the member stay in office if you don't get goosebumps looking at that Capitol walking into this building it's time for you to leave right I feel so privileged to even have this opportunity right I get goosebumps now just talking to you about it. think think about we're sitting in the Rayburn room right? The chambers is right there. Those chambers were opened in 1857. Right? George Washington was never sworn in here, right? George Washington was sworn in on Wall Street and in Philadelphia, okay? Every president since has either been sworn in on the east side over on the west side. The first president to be sworn in on the west side was Reagan. He'd tell you he wanted to look towards California, right? <laughs> but My favorite place in this whole building, if you go and take a tour, is that room right there at Statuary Hall. So when the building was first built, the country wasn't 50 states. It wasn't as large. People had desks. This dome Dome is the second dome. They had to enlarge the dome when they enlarged the building, like the Supreme Court was over on the Senate side. So that was the chambers. And it's really a nice floor. It wasn't then; It was platoons, people spinning. People had fights because this was before the Civil War, right? They put they put a tile with anyone who had ever been a member of Congress that became president, so you could see where they sat. So if you go all the way in the back, there's a tile there. It's, but, but like um, Father Sierra, there's a tile in front of it. It's where Abraham Lincoln sat. He was a one-term congressman. That's all he served, and he, so he sat in the back, and he was kind of um, he, he was kind of a quiet man. And if you go in the back, back there, they had a, like a mail room, and we call it the Lincoln Room. He'd go back there and tell his stories. But I like to stand right where that tile is. Stand there and look front, like at the front of it. Envision it being loud, you know, right? They didn't have microphones on it. And then look back and look at the lady above the clock. She, she's, the, oh, she, she's supposed to be inscribing what happens there. And just look at the clock and, and pause and look at the time, right? Look at the time. Say, oh, it's 2.30. And you want to know why that's my favorite spot? That's the same clock, the same view Abraham Lincoln had. And I'll promise you he's looked at it many times and you're standing right where he is. Right? Runs for Senate, loses. Runs for president. And this is one of the things that drives me as a Republican. Um, He's the first Republican president. Here's a nation not even know if it's going to sustain itself. He builds the Intercontinental Railroad. That's like inventing the Internet, right, during the time. That he's looking that the future is going to be brighter. But this is what I think all Americans should pause. Did you see that poll in the Wall Street Journal where we're not patriotic anymore, we don't want to have children, we're not religious? That concerns me. And what I would say is, look at Lincoln's words, right? And what I believe, if Lincoln... If he was interviewing Lincoln today and Lincoln was here, Lincoln would first take off his top hat. He'd be a tall man. He has a high voice. But he would tell you about the Gettysburg Address. You know, four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, right? Conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that we're all equal. He goes on to say, but if we fail government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall shall not perish from earth. But think about when he wrote this and why he said it, okay? We're not the world power. We're not even a country we're divided. But he knew America is more than a country, an idea that we would still sustain ourselves. The concept of by the people for the people is more powerful than anything else. But name me one other nation that's conceived in liberty and dedicated the proposition that we're all equal. We're not a perfect nation. We strive to be a more perfect nation. But we should be more patriotic. I mean, this idea, and this is goes long answer to your short question. I will put bills on the floor. I don't even remember the question. Anymore, <laughs> <honestly>. <laughs> I just now did. <laughs> I think I asked you what it's like I to work know, in a place when bad. people don't like you. Okay, so we had a resolution on the floor denouncing socialism. Okay. This is not a college campus. This is not Berkeley. This is people elected to the US House of Representatives all the history of America and 100 Democrats couldn't vote no. Can you believe that? So it goes back to your question, could I believe that not one Democrat would stand up? That's an extreme position. And, and I say this with all due respect, the Democrats when I grew up, they were not that way. Yeah. You would find places, you, and look, We have passed, I'll get this wrong, in the last week, somewhere about 43 or 48 bills, okay? Over, like, 37 of them have all been bipartisan. There's been more than 4,000 Democrat votes on these, right? And so you can find common ground with both sides, but how can it not be common ground that parents can know what's being taught in their kid's school? No way do they get to say what's what the curriculum or what the, what the books are being read, just tell us what you're doing. And that's wrong.
1: So how did we get over that? Because I think that that seems to be probably the first, there's a lot of problems, but that seems to be the first one, that when you look back and you go, okay, well, these guys aren't, af- you know, they are afraid to denounce socialism. They, many of them do view the founding of the country as a, as a net negative to the world, things of that nature. How do we get past that before we get into the battles of, okay, you want this tax break and you want that spending bill?
0: Well, it's tough too, because it's just like a DC crime. Now, all of you stay safe here, but, you know, D.C. is not a state. They want to make it a state. And the city council went and decriminalized carjacking, even forms of murder. So we could do something about it. We put it on the floor to not allow that to happen. One member on the Democratic side got mugged on her way to work, and she lives in a really nice area. It's, but it's not unusual, right? You talk to staff. It happens all the time. Rand Paul's one of his staff members, stabbed. was stabbed two days ago. I think he's, I think he's in critical condition. Or the other weekend before in broad daylight in the middle of the weekend at a gunpoint robbed and the, um, the phone and everything else taken carjackings we did this in February at that time there were it, we had only about 30 some days into the new year and there were 65 carjackings when we passed this the president said he would veto it only 31 democrats voted with us that, that's not a partisan issue to be safe and what so what is it you hear from them what do you hear privately when they vote against it they think they have to lock together that somehow oh, that I'm agreeing with the Republican no you want your streets safe you know and they said but DC should be a state and we should have our hands off now the delegate for DC Norton she did a rally before it was going to come back right and she had it at Union Station in the middle of the day at three o'clock And if you watch the video of the rally, somebody gets carjacked during the rally. (laughs) You can't make this up. You can't make it up. But this is the other thing, and this is what scares me. So it it wasn't just about DC, it's about what's happening across this nation in crime from Chicago and others. And I believe there are some waking up, but the majority are not because they think they can't stand up to them. DC also says anybody can vote. Okay, we're in, a, we're in pretty much an international city, are we not? Because you have all these embassies. So you can belong to the Chinese Communist Party, I'd be a Chinese, and work at that embassy, and D.C. now said you can vote in, in your elections here. What do you think they would want to vote for and embarrass our nation's capital? That's what concerns me. That, that's beyond common sense. That's an extreme position that goes beyond the foundation of the nation.
1: So what do you think Republicans can do better then? One of the lines that these guys hear me say probably five times a week is, you don't have to be a Republican, but you cannot be a Democrat. And the reason I frame it that way is it's obvious they've for the most part gone off the deep end, but there's a, there clearly is some sort of branding issue or something that I think might be changing, I do believe that, uh, that, you know, for example, the Republicans obviously didn't get that red wave in the midterm. So people clearly are stepping away from the Democrats, but they're kind of,
0: ah, I don't know, these Republicans. You know, the other thing, too, we should, we should look at why didn't the red wave come? And we should be very honest with ourselves. There's a couple different reasons why, and I'll tell you. Look, as leader, I'm fortunate in both terms we've won. But could, could we have won more? Yeah, we could have. I had 3 candidates in Pennsylvania that overperformed the Republican gubernatorial candidate by 2014 and 11 and did not win. This idea that we're just going to pick whoever and think we're going to win in November no. The top of the ticket's going to hurt you below the ticket. And this idea that we it almost happens that we're better at attacking other Republicans than standing up for the policies we believe in. Well, that gets us nowhere. And the other thing too is If you want to be in the majority, and this is what Reagan said, if you agree with us 80% of the time, you're there. Somebody who wins in Texas is going to be different than someone who wins in California. And if you want to sit back and where did we win the majority? We won five new seats in New York. We won in California. We won in Oregon. We won in Arizona. Places that other Republicans lost. And to be frank, in the last two cycles, we've lost the presidency. Both cycles lost in the Senate. We've lost governors. The only place we've won is in the House. And the one thing I will say, the determining factor, the quality of the candidate. We have extraordinary candidates who've won. And sometimes it's very important to get the right person through the primary. And you shouldn't just say, okay, well, this person is the most conservative. Well, who's the most conservative who can win in November? That's another thing we have to think, because you've got to have the gavel to govern. The uniqueness, like we have a five seat majority they don't hand the gavels out in small, medium, and large. We get the same size gavel, and so. And and this is a place as Republicans should wake up, so I look look back at the vote saying, where could we have done better? Top of the ticket hurt. Um, Supreme Court decision made a difference, too. In different places where the Democrats played it, it did. So Um, you think it hurt more than anticipated, maybe? Yeah, much more than the polling showed. It determined turnout and motivation. in 2012 we had 234 members and we didn't even win the popular vote in the house in 2016 we peaked we had 242 members and we won the popular vote by one point today we have 222 members you know what our popular vote was we won it by three points two points better than the time before seven points better than we did two years prior so what it means is it's more competitive we've had redistricting So it's not that you're gonna have these big majorities that you think things are just gonna happen. And people look through different points, right? I mean, think for a moment. How many of you are from Pennsylvania? The one thing I learned is Democrats will vote for whoever, as long as they're a Democrat, (laughs) (laughs) you know? But I will tell you- Where is John Fetterman? Where is he? Where Where is he? I don't know. But I'm just, I'm just, you know, all due respect, I mean, it's just very difficult. But Republicans, and, and, and this is where I say we've got to be honest with ourselves, and we've got to do it before you get to the election. If we have a poor candidate, rightfully so, we won't, we won't all walk and lockstep and vote for that person. Rightfully so. So what we really should do in the primary, not beat up on each other, but pick the very best person who's going to be able to win and carry it. And sometimes we say, if you're not, no one's going to be 100% with each other, but do we have a core foundation with one another? I'll tell you guys something funny about John Fetterman.
1: I actually saw Dr. Oz a couple weeks ago at Jordan Peterson's house at a party, and he looked like he got punched in the face. The guy cannot believe that he lost to Fetterman. It is still... Anywho... um, what do, you, what do you make of, as you know, I, I lived in Cali, I made a very public exit to the free state of Florida, things seem to be- I'm <laughs> not giving up, I'm not giving up. You know I didn't wanna leave that house, but that was the only thing that was keeping me there was a home, a home. I didn't wanna leave that
0: house, but I couldn't afford to buy that <laughs> house, so
1: um, But what do you make of the general idea now that the states do seem to be going their separate way, and that is what federalism's all about, and Cal, I mean, I feel Look, like I moved state, to a new country, not a new state. Each state is a pilot
0: program. Yeah. And if there's one thing you look in the nation, right, every 10 years we do a census. This is the first time in the history of California that we lost a congressional seat, the time before we stayed equal. And what states lost? New York, California, Illinois. What states, states gained? Texas and Florida. It's a pilot program that's telling the country, right? And how many you have friends that have moved? Why? Because of the policies. And it should, it should wake the other states up. I mean, do you,
1: do you have any hope for Cali? I mean, obviously, you're, you're still a representative in Cali. I mean, look, do you have I, hope that that thing can move? Yeah, because,
0: move? look, I've won five seats in the last four years in California, Republican in Congress. Um, they make the system hard there. The other thing you have to remember, too, California has, when it comes to election law, they mail everybody a ballot whether you ask for one or not. They don't clean up their rolls. They, they make it legal that you can um, harvest somebody's ballot, and we still win. So, It doesn't matter what state you live in. Find what the rules are and go out and fight for what you believe in. The hard part is most people who are leaving California have a more conservative view. And, you know, these other states say, oh, we don't want the California. I want them back. You know, there are a lot of the other voters. But we're learning. And also the other thing, too, is if you look at the Republican Party now in the House, more women, more minorities, the most black Republicans since Reconstruction. So don't think we can't compete anywhere in the country we can but I believe it's the policy and so I don't give up because the pendulum always swings how much do you view the mainstream media as an impediment to what you're trying to
1: do at this point they they obviously are losing control to a certain degree but you know every day on the show I'm putting out the lies of The View and the lies of Meet the Press and the lies of CNN and MSNBC and the whole thing, uh, they're, they're never with you guys. They don't mind lying over and over and over again. Do, do you view it as a problem still or is, in some ways is it a win because we can expose it now?
0: Well, I think the American public on both sides of the aisle do not trust what they're being told most of the time because they, they found that it hasn't been, there's lots of times that it hasn't been right. I live it each and every day. I can walk up and do a press conference, I'll tell you, um, right after passing, the parents bill of lights, and they'll ask me something about something else, right? But to tell you the secret is I kind of enjoy the battle now. I don't know if you watch any of my press conferences. I decided when I became speaker, I'm going to do something different. And I, I, do, I do a lot of things different. Hakeem Jeffries' office is right where that used to be my office. But I'm, I treat Hakeem the way I want it to be treated. And I think that's the, we should, we should be the first ones that respect people who have difference of opinion of us. Because we get upset if people don't give us the respect of our opinions. Well, how can you do that if you don't respect, so I, I try to pro- provide there. But I don't go down and do a press conference in the press room, I do it in Statuary Hall, I do it out here. And they, they all come around me and they ask me some of them, they'll ask me this one question when I was dealing from the beginning about, um, on Intel, I I removed shift and swallow. (laughs) I I did it for a purpose, not for a political purpose. And this one reporter asked me the question, and then as soon as I start to answer, she says, I'm not answering the question. So my point is, well, you have a right to ask me the question, but you do not have a right to say whether I answered or not. My answer is your answer. Uh, But, I mean, think about it. I was really concerned about Intel committees different than all the other committees. This is where you get the security claim. Right. The members who sit on there only get appointed by their leaders, um, they, they find things out that other members don't, right? And We make decisions in there to protect all of us with information we know, and because of Source and others, you really can't let other people know. Well, Schiff used that position to lie about what he knew, which you can't be there. Swalwell got on as a sophomore, and the minute he gets on, the FBI comes and tells us he's got a relationship with a Chinese spy no disrespect, I just don't think that qualifies you, right? Um,
1: no disrespect, no disrespect. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: There's 200 other members she could appoint, pointed, right? Yeah. I never knew about this until I came later. I read in the papers, I had the FBI come and give me the briefing. There's no way he should have been on there, and he was kept on there. And so I just said, no, anybody that has a relationship with any spy, you can't be on the committee. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a high bar, but...
1: Wait, I have, to, I have to pause you for a sec, because when I had you uh, at the house in Cali, you told me about that for the first time. It was the first time yes. I had heard about it. And we then clipped that a million times and it got millions of views and people were sharing it before you were uh, uh, speaker and now. But he's still here, he's still in this building. If you have a relationship with the Chinese spy, no disrespect, isn't that, I just became very (laughs) Italian, you see that? Uh, Isn't that just like, you gotta go now, like you can't stay here, you don't have to go home, but you can stay here. I believe in,
0: in in the rule of law, the voters decide who their member of Congress is. I could dislike that person, I could think that person did something wrong, but there's nothing that disqualifies him from being a member. That's why I, he's a member and I give him uh, committees. But I'm not giving you a security clearance. He cannot. If he was to leave this job and he went to the private sector, he could not get a security clearance because he had a relationship with a Chinese spy. So why would we give him a government security clearance? And they attacked me for it. And so what I did, I went down when the Intel Committee first constituted, and I had Hakim come with me. And I told all the members, look, I want you to work together. I don't want partisanship in this office because this is a committee that should think just as Americans, right? And this is the other thing I'm doing. I'm really afraid which country captures AI and quantum first, okay? And we should be really concerned as Americans of what's happening with Russia, China, North Korea and Iran. If you study history, this is very similar to the 1930s. They're creating an axis of power of supporting one another against the West, democracy and freedom. The only two times President Xi has left his country since the pandemic was to meet with this group. It's very concerning to me. MIT teaches a course in quantum and AI that they actually provide to the generals in our military. I'm having everybody on the intel take it together. So they think like a SWAT, right? A strength, weakness, opportunity, threats. You think as an American, not as a Republican and Democrat, right? Because whatever happens, if we fail, it's not one party failing, it's a nation that's failing. And I'm going to have them come in and teach it to the entire Congress. You know, the only time we really get together outside of committees and cameras is when we have classified briefings, and it's usually about a thread, a balloon, or something else, right? And so I recently had one where all the Republicans and Democrats went together in the auditorium, and you know what it was about? Our debt. And I didn't make it partisan. I had the Congressional Budget Office come in and tell, because this is, this is what you should be worried about, too. Look, we have a lot of problems. We have a, a border that's not secure. We have fentanyl coming across. We have inflation, all that, but the three greatest, biggest challenges I think to our nation going forward is our debt, our education system, and China. Okay, and we're not going to tackle those unless we tackle together. And what I wanted to do is not in a partisan way, but really look at this debt. The CBO tells us in the next ten years we'll have to pay 10.5 trillion just in interest. Okay, but let me put it in perspective: 10.5 trillion in the next ten years. Do you know how much we paid in interest since 1940 till today? In those 83 years, $9 trillion. This, this is the interest on your credit card, okay, people? This is what makes you upset. And for the first time in the next 10 years, three of the trust funds will go broke. Highway, Medicare, and Social Security. And the President all yells, oh, Republicans want to cut it. No, by him doing nothing, it automatically gets cut. He's cutting it by ignoring this problem. And if you look at 50-year averages. On 50-year average, we normally spend about 21 percent of GDP, okay? Right now he's spending 23.7 on his way to 25 percent. On average, amount of revenue we bring in on 50 years is usually about 17.1 percent. Do you know how much revenue per GDP we're bringing right now? 20 percent. You know how many times we've done that in the history of America? Only twice. So it's not it's not a revenue problem. We have more money at any given time coming in, but we're spending. They added $5.9 trillion, and they wonder why inflation was... And what happened when inflation came? Interest rates went up, and now it causes a banking problem. And then he wants to ignore the debt ceiling, like someone should just pass that without changing it. And to me, the debt ceiling is you give your child a credit card. They charge it up. You're responsible for paying it. But do you just raise the limit, or do you look at what they're spending it on? So that's the approach I'm taking, and it's pretty hard that the president tries to ignore it.
1: Do you admire sometimes the fact that they can get away with this kind of stuff? I mean, the Inflation Reduction Act, which <laughs> had
0: nothing yeah. to do, yeah. even a I minute, mean, doesn't have anything to do with inflation. Right.
1: I mean, it literally caused inflation, but but they get away with it. The media runs cover for them, and then you have to come out here and explain, to,
0: you know, things about growth and GDP, and people are like, but the Inflation Reduction Act. You know you gotta be strong-willed in this and you gotta have a willingness not to give up because you could work as hard as you can they could say something that's not true but you gotta wake up the next day and come back. You know this country is too great for small ideas, right? And I just believe even in the last election maybe it didn't turn out exactly as you wanted but think about had we not won the majority in the House what would be happening? And sometimes We've got to thank for what we got right then and work harder. That's exactly what we have to do. I'm thankful if you get out and tell the story.
1: We're trying. I mean, we're trying. Uh, And what's interesting, I think, that you'd find from this audience, if I polled these guys, you know, my audience is kind of all over the place. There's probably a couple Democrats in here. Two, maybe. Maybe, at most. Democrats. There might be two in here. Maybe not. Maybe not. I free, you see that everybody kind of froze, not me. There not might be me. Democrats who listen. But former, don't there are me. definitely former Democrats. How about former That's Democrats? All right. right? There's definitely Ronald some, Reagan yeah, was former, a former. Democrat. Right. Exactly. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you about about the hearings. We're always watching hearings. I'm always playing clips of hearings, and we're dragging out Twitter executives and all of these people. And Fauci, you know, can lie about uh, vaccines or what we funded, and all of this stuff. We play these clips and people are like, oh, it's great, Rand Paul got him, and this happened, that happened, Ted Cruz got him. But then no one gets fired. Nothing seems to actually change. And I think that that is now something that you guys, that's my personal advice would be that that's something that you guys should be focusing on. Like what happens after the hearing? It's not enough for us to just be like, oh, Fauci lied. Twitter executives lied, et cetera.
0: Okay, so let's think about this. Let's also look at what has happened since we won the majority. We won the majority weren't sworn in yet, but we were able to get in the NDAA that those in the service no longer mandate that they had to have the vaccine so they weren't gonna be kicked out. No. That's a victory, right? So they stopped firing people who there. Is it a coincidence that Fauci then announced that he wasn't gonna stay around? Do you know something else that we created? We created a select committee on COVID. Is it a coincidence that once we start the hearings, then they acknowledge, well, there is information that it could have come from the Wuhan lab of the Wuhan COVID, right? He, even, the, he, who was the guy that used to have the nighttime show, the comedian? Oh,
1: John, John Stewart,
0: when he brought it to COVID. Yeah, he, he, it even, he brings it up. Yeah, he, yeah, so yeah. They, they named a lab after that. <laughs> Um, it's interesting, now now they're providing certain information as we're going after. They make it very difficult now that we have subpoena power. Um, but I think you'll find at the end of the day when we get the information, now we're not going to predetermine if we don't have all of the facts. We're going to take people through and see all the facts. And I think what's another thing that's happening in this country that's a problem, there's no consequences for people's action. That's what's happened with crime. That's what's happened in our schools, right? And when they see it happening in government, then why should they not? Right. And I think that's part of the point. Ah, look.
1: So, how does that actually change? I mean, do you need a Republican president to then do something about it? So, well, let's say the laws you
0: expose these guys. Okay,
1: we Fauci lied under oath. Let's just let's just say okay, or one of these is guys is Fauci. A job anymore? Right. So, okay, but but one of these, or if we found out who exactly at the government was, we guiding also, we also
0: changed some of the rules in the House when we took over. So, I mean, it's hard for us. Like, you get mad at somebody, okay, defund the whole department. Well, that doesn't work. You are not have to defund them. Now we have a specific place we can go. So we can go there. Um, but what's interesting to me, you brought up Twitter. And I think Elon's doing a fabulous job there, to be honest with you. And what Elon is doing, not picking sides, he's just letting the information out and the Democrats are getting mad, right? But we watched what happened that it's even worse than we imagined that government was in with business now going after people on what their beliefs were. But then he had some Democrat reporters write, what happened to Matt the other day? The IRS comes to his house. Yep. Yeah, really. So sometimes our hearing shows light stops actions. Um, we're not prosecutors, so we can't, we can't prosecute somebody. Our, we can defund certain jobs but we don't have the ability to prosecute someone. We have the ability to show the light and give all the information and also control purse strings. So we'll take every power we have to try to correct actions. What else is on your mind that may not be on our mind? I mean,
1: and by our mind, I mean the things that I'm talking about on the show, the things that these guys are talking about, like what else is coming down the pike that that you're either worried about or excited for?
0: Look, I'm, I, if you're not excited as an American, do you want to live somewhere else? It may not be perfect here, but we have an opportunity to make it better, right? So every day, I'm, I'm an optimist. I wake up every day. If there's the one current thing, I'm, I'm worried about how the president's handling the debt ceiling. He's ignoring it. He's walking us in to some type of debt problem because he's just ignoring the problem. I'm worried about the next generation. We're at 120% of GDP in debt. We've only been here during World War II. That means our debt's larger than our economy with another 20%. So what are
1: you doing to the rest of the nation? Um, so when you say that to your colleagues on the other side, what do they say? I mean, do they fundamentally just believe you can just print money? I mean, we've got to it. Yes, because they've been doing they, they, it. Yeah, they fundamentally, that's the belief. That's actually the belief. That's
0: and that's what caused, look, Milton Freeman was my favorite economist. He says there's only one entity that can create inflation, government, when they spend too much. And he also says there's only one way out of inflation, is that the interest rates have to be higher than the inflation rate. Well, we can't afford that. You're going to be interest rates over 6%, 7%. It's going to be good. Then I'm worried about the future. I, I look at these other four countries creating access of power. I've watched, what, I've watched what a lack of leadership has happened, okay? Think about when the president got in. Afghanistan. Creating 13 new gold star families. So you know what? We had a hearing on this. For the whole time, they never went and had a hearing because they were afraid of what they were going to find out. Why would you do that to our military? you want to never repeat that. He didn't listen to the military leaders. He made his own decision. We actually had a sniper that had the bomber in his, in his, uh, in his sights. Right, right. Okay? But where did that bomber come from? Take it a step back further. He was in the prison in Bagram. So had he not moved out of Bagram where we caught the worst people for the last decade, that person would have never got out and, got, and, ha- and put a bomb on to kill the Americans. And then they wouldn't look at the system. So, but what happened after that? It set us back two decades. The Chancellor of Germany now goes to China. China has now just brokered a deal in the Middle East between Saudi Arabia and Iran. That used to be the leadership of America at Camp David. right? So what he's done is he's lowered the standards of America to our allies and to our adversaries, pushing them further there. It also brought upon Ukraine, right? Because then he goes meets with Putin. Putin saw what happened in Afghanistan, and what does he do when he meets with Putin? He lifts the sanctions off Nord Stream too. Mm-hmm. He gives him a welcome map. Back in 2015, I met with then Vice President Biden, trying to encourage him to sell the Javelins to Ukraine so they can stop if any Russian tanks come in. He says, "No, Merkel won't like that." I said, "Well, let's train them on and keep it in Poland, so it's there close." No. Remember when he spent too much and he told us inflation was transitory? That's the worst punishment you can ever do to your own citizens. It takes money directly out of you. And he told us it was transitory. Then the interest rates went up. Then banks got in trouble. We're weaker around the world. Then he comes out and he picks one form of energy, makes our energy cost higher, cuts jobs out of America. It harms emissions. Let me tell you this. American natural gas is 41 percent cleaner than Russian natural gas. If we sell American natural gas, not just to our allies, to our adversaries, global emissions will go down further than any Democrat bill out there. And you know what else will happen? Geopolitically, the world will be safer. There'll be more American jobs. You'll have a better environment. You'll have a stronger America. You'll have a safer world. And he tells us, I'm going to veto that. On demand. What? Makes no sense. Don't you care about the country? Don't you care about the world? And all he does is empower his IRA bill, inflation reduction. That's a stimulus bill for China. Mandating one form of energy. Where are you going to buy the windmills? Where are you going to buy the solar panels? China. And if you watch, what he's done is he's shut down our minerals. China controls 90% of all critical minerals. They control 95% of the processing. So when we open up a a new mine in America, we've got to send them over there to be processed. One thing we did do when we took the majority, I've been wanting to do this for four years, I created the Select Committee on China, okay? The things that we have failed at, we have not spoken with one voice about China. China has systematically, we used to, copper, key, and all these renewables and everything else, Back in the 90s, we produced three times as much. They now produce eight times. Why? Because they've gone around the world collecting it. Why, we shut ours down. Why are we empowering them? We shouldn't be dependent upon them on anything. We should bring it back to America and back to, to just North and South America as well. And what he's done is make us weaker on that stage, and it's only been two years. So what keeps me up is that leadership. Who, who do you think is driving that? I mean, he you, is.
1: So you believe that that this is really Joe Biden himself? Okay. Biden.
0: <laughs> I,
1: I know you not.
0: Now I get asked this question Note a lot. Note how he time. had to shift and, in and his no, seats. No, no. Yes, yes. Okay. No, Sit up. I've met yeah. with him a f- quite a few times. It's him. And remember, when he was running for president, he was about to be beaten. They all collapsed, right? And then he had to go and publicly sign an agreement with Bernie Sanders. When he gave the State of the Union, one of my toughest jobs was just to sit behind there, right? And I was respectful. I did not tear up the speech. I could disagree and anything else. There's a difference in speakers. I respect the office I have. I respect his office. I respect him in his office. Um, I heard Democrats yelling to Bernie Sanders, you wrote that speech, you wrote that speech, and Bernie's smiling. Remember what he pledged to get their votes. That's where he went so far. That's the extreme position. And remember, Bernie Sanders is not a Democrat. He's a socialist. And he's never balked away from that.
1: Did did you happen to see the clip of Bernie on Real Time with Bill Maher a couple weeks ago where he asked him the difference between equity and equality, which is the entire socialist program, and Bernie literally said he didn't know and then Bill had to walk him through it. I mean, it's incredible. Bill Maher has been pretty interesting. We're trying to get him there.
0: We're <laughs> try- Do you ever, you ever get the call? You ever get the call? You know, I had been on that show before. Um, I was on that show before I was ever elected.
1: What, what were you doing? It was then? when we was were on
0: HBO. I was a young Republican. Yeah. Now don't go back and try to find the clip. <laughs> <laughs> but, but not getting the call these days. Let's see. There Was it Diane von Furstenberg? The designer? She was on yep. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the guys that was on a... Uh, he had a hit show at the time, and then I think a comedian.
1: Well, what do you, what do you think you gotta do to get those last liberals? These guys know I focus on that group, because I always say there's not that many people that can shift right now, right? We have, you you okay. have your hardcore Republicans, you have your hardcore Democrats, but I think the disaffected liberal is the group that you can still shift. It is the Bill Maher types, which is why I focus on him so much. Well, what's what, what do you think you have is, to do there? You know, we'd anybody. sit back
0: and we'd say like, what, what am I doing to shift them? I actually think the Democrats are doing more to shift them. I think we, I think if you ask Bill Maher about me four years ago, he said oh, Kevin doesn't have anything nice to say. Right? He say I don't believe anything he says. I think he's so disgusted by these Democrat policies. And what's really happened is when the Democrats con- took control of everything, what brought us inflation? What brought defunding of the police? What brought us crime? You know? And then they try to they try to just give talking points that they like they're strong on crime. Well, no. I mean, did you put anyone in jail that was burning our federal buildings? No. I mean, and what's really concerning to America now, too, is we respect the rule of law, and we respect equal justice. But when justice is only weighed on one side, that's what we don't like. That is what gets us infuriated. And I really think what the Democrats have done has moved Bill Barr more that he said this is no longer where I stood. And I really wonder in time if you look back in history for many a times would John Kennedy be a Democrat today? No. His policies are not where the Democratic Party is at. Anti-war, low tax. Yeah. What would the world, what would America have looked like had Abraham Lincoln not been assassinated, right? Malice towards none. We wouldn't wait until the 1950s to civil rights and this is something for people who are Republican and conservative, don't let the Democrats take this away, okay? The Democrats had a, a bill on the floor last Congress to remove some statues. I walked down the floor and the Republicans and I said, Oh, I'm all for it. I think you should remove more statues and I think you should change your name. There's not one Republican statue we ever have to remove. The Jim Crow law was brought to us by Democrats, okay? Think about what happened. In my office, you have a portrait of Abraham Lincoln, but you have a portrait of Joseph Rainey. You know who Joseph Rainey is? The first black American to get elected to Congress. He was a Republican in 1870. You know when the first black American Democrat was elected 60 years later? You know, Joseph Rainey wasn't the only black Republican elected, a number of them were elected. So then we had a presidential race that was close. And so the Democrats partnered with the Republicans and said you won, but only on one condition you remove the federal troops from the South. And when they removed the federal troops from the South, lo and behold, Democrats then defeated Republicans. And what did they do when they defeated Republicans? They changed the election law and brought Jim Crow laws in and picked people based upon who can go there. Remember the Republican party, what it was founded upon. So when the Democrats, they removed five portraits of Democrat speakers, okay, you should. But every statue they wanted to remove was of a Democrat, sent to us from a state that a Democrat majority was in, that voted for it, that was accepted by a Congress that was a majority of Democrats. Well, why do you keep your name then? Change the name of the party. We don't have to change the name of the Republican Party because we were founded on the idea that we're all equal. We fought for the idea that people were equal and fair. And at times, I've watched when you say, how can you change? They "They don't know the history. They don't know the story. And we need to tell it more often.
1: So is, is that ed- education fundamentally? I mean, is that why we have to get the schools back more than anything else? Because people believe now that 1619 Project was, you know, the true they story they try of America? We to
0: recreate our history. I mean, the idea that Columbus is bad, yeah. the, the idea that, um, you know, you can't say Christmas. I mean, our founders were some of the most religious people, right? We believe in religious freedom, though. I mean, the idea in our schools, what I'm most worried about is nobody in the Taliban or in the Chinese army are worried about a pronoun. Nobody. Okay? With all respect, they just want to fight to win. At the end of the day, we may have the right pronouns, but if we lose the war, we're out. Right? And they only understand fear. But also... The idea of our children, I'm not worried about my kids competing with your kids, I'm worried about our kids competing with India and China. And the great equalizer in America is the education system and why it's the Democrats who fight charter schools. And this is the other thing that's so great about states, what Arizona has done, what Florida has done, that allows your tax dollars to follow your students so they can go to a better school. It's your choice. You know, that's going to change. And who does that help the most? Really, those who are lower income in America and many times many more minorities than others. I'll tell you, t- today I-, I was very excited. I, I, had-, I had a school group uh, that was from my hometown here. And it's a charter school that was developed by this one family, the Grimm's. Any of you ever eat these baby carrots? Okay, they, they just sold, but there was two families in my district that grew 80% of all the carrots in the country. And you want a secret? There's no such thing as a baby carrot. They're regular carrots. Yeah. We chop them, charge you more, and you buy them. We love you for them, okay? But, Good night, everybody. That's it. That's but what it. they were doing is, that they're, they're a great fa- You know, anybody, these families that owned businesses, and it became a very big business, well, they would put all this money away to give scholarships to their employees' children to go to college. And they found, well, you're not taking them up. Well, they weren't getting into college. They said, well, we've got to go further down. Well, they found the school district. With it. So they were going to pay to put in a charter school the school district fought them. But when they finally got the charter school came in, and this is, 90% will be immigrants in this community. They wear uniforms, they they take extra classes, right? And the thing I will tell you, in the first two years, this school scores are competing with the highest scores of anywhere in the county. And we just had, for the first time, the eighth graders have been there. They just came and, and had a picture with me in the rotunda. And the excitement on these kids' faces that one little girl said, you could tell, man, she, she was the class president. She would get right up am so-and-so, I want a picture of you. And I'm thinking, you're going to be speaker one day, right? <laughs> I mean, but how proud an opportunity. That's the great equalizer in America. We talk about everybody being equal, but let's give them an equal opportunity. And let's not hold people
1: back. We got three minutes left, and then you gotta get back to work. So uh, I will ask you one tough one at the end. You've talked a lot about civility here. Uh, The audience obviously knows my feelings about what's going on in Florida and Governor DeSantis. Obviously, I supported Trump. Trump supported you in in the speakership. Uh, This seems to be coming to a head one way or another. Uh, I've been concerned about the civility also, uh, because I don't wanna see mutually assured destruction. If Trump ends up president and DeSantis st- stays as my governor, that'll be just fine with me. If DeSantis is president, that'll be fine with me. But I don't want to destroy the whole thing. And I sense we really are in a dangerous spot where we have a lot of the momentum that you've talked about here and civility and the right ideas and things of that nature. But it's like a
0: tinderbox in a way, uh, maybe because of some of the personalities. I always think we should do this. When, whenever I sit down, like I was sitting down with some members yesterday. We were talking we were talking around each other and I said, well, what do we want to achieve okay you take everybody out of running what do you want to achieve you want to stop the bad policies so you want somebody else in the white house right so you got to understand too what's the debate going to be about all the things that biden has done that somebody else could do better i think that resonates more with the public it gets more people to vote it's about addition not subtraction okay and so it's tough when you get in a competition but members should really see that whoever runs and lots of times whoever the front-runner is today is not the nominee and whatever we think the issue is today is probably not going to be the issue in another November from now. Um, But I think the democratic policies will always be the issue, right? And I just don't think the country wants another four years of Joe Biden. I just don't believe we can sustain that. And don't do damage to one another that allows him to get in, because they're gonna give you a lot of bait, don't take it. Note, he did not say Trump nor DeSantis in that (laughs) entire thing, that was
1: very slick. Guys, please make some noise for the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Thank Thank you, you, my friend. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.